this question about the Bible. And I think it's an important question for us today as a church to reaffirm and to ask questions and maybe get a solid answer about the word of God, particularly in a world where now for the first time in our lifetimes, we have the world trying to say, you can be a Christian and believe anything you want and the standards of morality don't have to apply. None of those things matter. Just say that you're a Christian and, and, and then kind of peacefully go along and do what everybody else is doing. But there's something about the word of God for us as Baptists that is important. I mean, for crying out loud, in Vacation Bible School, we ask you to stand up and say a pledge to the Bible. I've always found that one a little funny, uh, that we, we, say, we do that in Awana. We say a pledge to the Bible. We believe in the Bible. We think it's important for us to do that because the Bible is the lamp to our feet, the light to the path for our lives. And, and so for us to understand why the Bible is important would be something I think that would help us this week. Uh, first of all, if we don't understand what God says about his word, then it's impossible to understand its importance because many people today actually have a favorable view of the Bible. If you poll them, about 65 to 70% of Americans will say they have a favorable view of the Bible. Now that just may mean that they think it's a good decoration in their house to have a family Bible. It may mean that they've heard the Bible at some point and they don't really have anything against it, but they have a favorable view of it, but they don't know anything about it. And yet at the same time, the Bible's always under attack. Now this isn't new. This started in Genesis about chapter three, if you remember the word of God being attacked by the enemy. That's what he does. He comes and, and he says, did God really say, is, is it really what you need to do in this area of your life? And and so I think it's important for us to understand that the enemy likes to attack whatever the Bible says. It likes to attack the positions that we take for family and for life and for godliness and righteousness. And, and that's always under attack. But we have to be careful about that as believers because if we take the Bible and start to twist it and make it say something it doesn't, it creates a Jesus that doesn't exist. And now folks, you have an idol to worship. That's idolatry worshiping a God that doesn't exist. The God of the Bible has revealed himself to us through the word. So I think it's important for us to see that. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter three today, verses 14 through 17, and see what the apostle Paul had to say. Verse 14, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scriptures inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Uh, the books of First and Second Timothy are some of those in the New Testament that are called pastoral epistles. They're called pastoral because Paul the apostle is writing to a leader of a church and he's saying, this is how you need to think about leading the church. In fact, Timothy was at a place where we've been familiar with. We've just finished a study not too long ago on the book of Ephesians and Timothy's been left by Paul on a missionary journey in Ephesus, sent there so that he could build the churches that are in Ephesus. And, and as he's doing this, he's encouraging Timothy. And in, actually in the preceding verses, he's encouraging Timothy to live a godly life 
and says you need to live a godly life in spite of coming persecutions. Now, if you were here on July 4th weekend, you remember that we had Dr. Elijah Sorotow from the Emmanuel uh, Seminary in Romania, and he talked to us about what it's like to live with coming persecutions. When you see that persecutions are coming, what must the church do? He preached to us out of the book of Philippians about that. And this is very similar to what Paul is telling Timothy. You need to understand persecutions are coming, live a godly life. And what he tells him about the scripture is really important. Notice what he said in verse 14. He said, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. There was an admonition here for Timothy, the pastor, that he was to continue in what he had learned and firmly believed. And this is important because Paul is telling Timothy, you need to know what you have been taught was important and you're gonna have to keep going further in it all of the way. So, so he says you continue in it, meaning that you don't stop in it, you, you keep walking in that and you need to keep doing it in the right things. Now, now this is a description for us a couple of chapters back of Timothy's life because he says, as you learn what you have firmly believed, well, where did he learn it from? Well, if you think about it, he learned it from his family. In, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois, your mother Eunice, and now I'm convinced is in you also. Timothy's a third generation believer in his family. He had a grandmother and he had a mother who had taught him the scriptures. And it's important not only that he's a third generation believer because of the family lineage he has, but it's also important that Paul says, I'm convinced this is now part of your life. It's not just that your grandma had it. It's not just that your mom had it, but it's you. And I just say this to all of us. This is a friendly reminder from your pastor. You can never live off the faith of your parents. It doesn't work. Uh, there, there, there's this thing that we see in scripture and, and many have written about it, but, but one who wrote about it most famously called it a three chair principle that there's chair one, two, and three. In chair one, you see it when Joshua and, and all of them are going into the promised land. And so they knew the, the Lord, their God, they walked with him. And then that second generation, chair two, it said they knew the God of their fathers. Chair three, they knew not the God of their fathers. So every generation has to move to chair one. You have to. You can't rely on mom and dad to do it for you. You have to do it. And Timothy had done that. He had, he had walked with the Lord and it had become convinced in his life. He was firmly believed. That word means to be fully convinced of who God was. And now he's being told, don't depart from this and chase other things. It's kind of funny, isn't it? That he would tell a pastor, don't stray away from the word of God. Don't stray away, don't drift. Don't chase things that aren't as important because they'll actually ruin your life. And for the believer, there's something incredible for us in this passage of scripture, not just for pastors. It's easy to be led astray. It's easy for us to get just a little bit off beam. If you've ever seen people uh, taking these land navigation courses, you know, you're, you're just a little bit off right here, but by the time you're trying to get to where your destination is, you're miles away from where you should have been. It doesn't take much to get off being. I mean, you know, it's kind of one of those things that it doesn't feel very glitzy this morning to say steady plotting brings prosperity. Anybody been around Pastor Jack lately? You know, he says that all the time, every day. Steady plotting brings prosperity. Quoting the book of Proverbs. Why does he say that? Why does the, the Solomon say that? Why does Pastor Jack say that? Why does Paul say continue in these things? Because it's the steady plotting of doing the things, continuing them over and over and over again. I mean, it doesn't sell 
It doesn't sound glitzy. I mean, think about this. Can you imagine if you were watching an infomercial or YouTube or something like that and, and you really wanted to get out of debt and you did a search for this and, and, and the title of the video was the easy way to get out of debt and the byline was spend less money. You're not even gonna watch it. Because you think that it has to be something incredible, right? It's like, there's gotta be a magic pill. No, just spend less money. I mean, that's how you do it. You, you know what I mean? That, that doesn't feel fun. It doesn't feel exciting. Like when somebody tells you like, I don't know how I'm ever gonna get out of this. Well, I mean, you're just gonna have to cut back. You gotta spend less money. What? No, it's gotta be easier than, no. Continue in the way. Just do the same things over and over again. Right in the scriptures, staying with what you believe. Paul wanted him to continue in what he had firmly believed. He was convinced I want you to see the end of verse 14 and in verse 15, he says, you know those who taught you and you know that from infancy you've known the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ. Paul reminded Timothy that he knew his teachers. Well, his first teachers were obviously his grandmother and his mother. He knew them, but he'd been taught by the apostle Paul and others and he says, you know them. You've known your teachers. Now, when he says you've known your teachers, it's not, I mean, that's an obvious statement, right? I mean, I knew my math teacher, but I didn't know anything about him. I didn't know the quality of his life. I knew who he was. I knew him as a teacher, but he's saying, you know us. You've seen something in us. And this is important. And when people talk to me about like, hey, have you read this book or heard this new preacher? Have you seen this new thing or whatever? that's, That's an interesting kind of thing. But I wanna tell you that, that the way that the scripture was meant to be given to you was through your teachers. And I think this is one of the saddest things to me about, I mean, we have online, I mean, you're watching it maybe today. And if you are, I'm grateful you are, but we didn't set online up so we'd have an online campus. We don't have an online campus. We have a live stream. I don't wanna have an online campus. You're not meant to know me through the television set. You're not meant to know your Sunday school teacher like through a correspondence course. You're meant to know them, to do life with them. You you should be known in this church. You should be known by your pastors. You should be known by your friends. You should be known by your life group teachers. There's something about being known that's really important. And I'm grateful that we have had the ability to have a live stream. If you're sick, you can't be here or or, or you happen to be one of our shut-ins. Watch, I'm so glad that you can do that. But as I say this, I mean, kind of frequently, infrequently, If you're sitting at home today with a cup of coffee in your hand and a bagel, get to church, man. Don't sit at home. Get to church. That's not why we created that. It's it's the terrible downside of that. It's the exchange of reality. See, I want you to know me. I want you to to see that my life is trying to live out the things that I'm telling you. You can't do that from, from the television. You can't do it by just reading things that I've said. You need to know me. Paul says, you've known us. But then he called something pretty important, sacred. He said the scriptures were sacred. It means holy, set apart. That's not a surprise to you. The scriptures are not a self-help book designed to make you feel better. In fact, they often make you feel worse before they make you feel better because they have this beautiful ability to point out the weaknesses in our flesh and show us where the spirit needs to invade that and conform us into the righteousness of Christ. In fact, the word of God's sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts right to the heart of the matter. And God gives us his word in two testaments, Old Testament and New Testament, so that we can know him and his plan for our lives and how to live a righteous life. And you don't have to go searching for God. He's given you, right, everything you need in the scriptures to know him and to understand him. He's given it to us. 
That's what makes them sacred and holy and set apart. But Paul says these sacred scriptures, beyond not just being informational, they do something miraculous. They lead people to salvation. It gives you wisdom for salvation. He said, you've known the scriptures that are able to give you wisdom for salvation. When we began praying this past year for people to be saved and baptized and follow the Lord in obedience and baptism, we understood something. Only God can save someone. That's not the church's job. It's not your job. Uh, it's not your job to feel the weight of that. that. That's not how this works. The Holy Spirit has to convict someone of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He uses us as the mouthpiece. He uses us as the willing vessel to go, but only God can save someone. We can't do it. And so we understand what the scripture says, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God in Romans chapter 10. It's a miracle when it happens, when someone's saved, but it gives us wisdom so that we can know God. The Bible, interestingly enough, is often referred to as the canon of Scripture. And that's canon with one end in the middle, not two. The canon with two ends you go boom, boom with. Canon with one, you read. You know, it's a, it, it means it's a measuring stick. It's something to measure your life against. It's a rule to measure your life against. Uh, kings often ha had these things. It was like a reed that they had. As we read the Bible, we can trust that God has given us his word and that we can have our faith placed in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And now I want you to see what Paul says about the Bible because it's really important, not just for the pastor Timothy, not just for the pastor Jeff, but for the parishioner, for the congregant, for the member of Judson Baptist Church. Because everything that we have is based on the word of God. And I want you to see these descriptors. Look at verse 16 again. All scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Well, the first thing to note there is that he said all scripture. Now, I'm just gonna go ahead and get this out there. That doesn't mean the ones that you like. It means all of them. And we're all guilty of this. Boy, I really love reading the Psalms. I can't stand reading those gospels where Jesus says, I need to forgive people though. Hmm, stay away from those. No, it doesn't work that way. All scripture is inspired by God. And it's interesting that Jesus constantly referred to the word of God by saying what has been commanded or it is written. He didn't just say God said or I said. I mean, he constantly was going back to the word of God. And in fact, you may remember that in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five and verse 17, Jesus said, don't think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you until heaven and earth pass away. Not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. The Old Testament was made up of three sections and Jesus referred to two of them. Uh, the Old Testament was made up of the law, the prophets, and the writings. And when we talk about the law, we're talking about the first five books of the Bible. You often hear people refer to that as the Torah. And so Jesus is saying, God gave Moses the, the law and, and really the outworking of that is what's contained in the first five books of the Bible. How do we live with the law? What are the regulations for us as a community of faith is what Moses has been given. But then the prophets come and the prophets include all kinds of things. We just studied a prophet when we looked at Jonah, one of the minor prophets we studied for the last four or five weeks. Uh, but you see that in Ezekiel, Daniel, Lamentations, Jeremiah, 
Isaiah, all through the minor prophets, you see God proclaiming his word to his people, reminding them of impending judgment and grace all at the same time. And so Jesus is saying the word of the law and the prophets will not pass away. Now the writings would be the Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, the historical books, the book of Job, those kinds of things. And Jesus wasn't discounting those. But what he's saying is that when you look at the law and the prophets, they teach us something about God and his character. And he says something very interesting, not the smallest little thing, not the little mark. If you grew up reading the King James Version of the Bible like I did, I think that it's the version that says not a jot or a tittle. If you ever wondered what that was, it's a funny word, isn't it? But in Hebrew, uh, there, there are little reference marks under some letters that change the complete meaning of a word. So, you, you know, it's a little breath mark or whatever. And so what he's saying is not even the smallest stroke of anything that's contained in there. So all of the Old Testament, do we get to just say we're done with the Old Testament? We do not. In fact, in the New Testament, the scripture uh, will tell us when we can be done with the Old Testament. So for instance, do you remember that uh, Peter is uh, in Joppa and he's, He's waiting on, on God to do something and Cornelius comes to him and, and, and uh, sends people to him rather and, and God has just given him this vision. What God has made, do not consider unclean. All things are clean to eat now. Well, where did that come from? God through the apostle Peter giving us that, right? So it, it, it's not as if God's invalidating that, but in the Old Testament, we know that it was a temporary covenant because even the prophets were looking towards the new covenant when God was going to do something great in our hearts. The scripture says this weird thing. God will circumcise our hearts. The circumcision had been the outward sign for the males that they were in a covenant relationship with God the Father. And even the Old Testament prophets now say that God will do a work in our hearts. And the sign will be that he has changed us from the inside out. Well, Jesus wanted everybody early on in his ministry to know that he wasn't separating himself from what had been in the Old Testament. He perfectly fulfilled the law and the prophets. He lived under that and, and perfectly fulfilled it. I think the Hebrew readers would have perfectly understood that, that Jesus was basically saying, I have crossed all my T's and I have dotted all my I's. If we were to talk about it in English speak, everything that needed to be done, I have done that. Well, that's the Old Testament, but what about the New Testament? And I don't want to dive into this too much, but by the time of the writing of the New Testament to the churches, they're already recording scripture, and at times they aren't even aware that they're recording it, because Peter's words about Paul's letter to the Ephesians, uh, we've just read one of Paul's letters in, in Ephesians, but Peter said this in chapter 3 of Second Peter, he said, also regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul has written to you according to the wisdom given to him, he speaks about these things in all his letters. There are some things hard to understand in them. The untaught and unstable will twist them to their own destruction as they do also with the rest of scriptures. What's Peter saying? What you've received from Paul. It had divine wisdom. It had inspiration. And, and so sometimes what Peter was saying is still true of us. Do you ever find that you read the scripture and there's a hard saying in there for you to understand? I do. God, why would you say that? Hmm. God, why, why would this be important, Lord? Why, why would I need to follow that command? That, that doesn't seem like it fits with the world that I'm living in, Lord. It's hard sometimes, 
But remember that the scripture, if it's hard, is not an excuse to back away from it. It's an excuse to dive in and know the Lord. And so when, when Timothy is told all scriptures inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness, he's saying all scripture is God breathed. I want you to think about that. Where else do we see God's breath? Uh, the, the word spirit is is breath when we talk about the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we sing that song, you the Holy Spirit are breath in living water. But didn't God breathe life into Adam? Didn't God, uh, his breath then breathe into these scriptures so that they are God breathed? It's not just that it was man's ideas and God had a way to miraculously use those. No, God was doing something for us in the scriptures. When we admit that we're not reading the words of man, it changes everything. And here's why. First, it said God's word is profitable. The word just means beneficial, useful, or pertaining to value as being great. So you could compare and contrast that with something like an investment like Bitcoin right now. You know, I mean, if you kind of have followed that, when, when they have enough celebrity endorsers and everybody starts buying it, Bitcoin goes up. And then you have an economic uh, recession or whatnot, and it goes down, and you never know if it's profitable or not at the time. You're, you're, you're hedging your bets against something like you are with all stocks and bonds and those kind of things, right? That, that's how it works. But not that way with the Word of God. It says that it is profitable. It doesn't lose its profit because of what someone else says. It doesn't lose its profit because of an economy. It doesn't lose its profit because of what's going on in the world. It is profitable at all times by itself because God declared it to be so because he said it was good because it did four things. And I want you to see these four things because they are massive for us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. First, it says it's profitable for teaching. Now we have to understand that that we have chosen to spend the majority of our time at Judson Baptist Church studying the scripture verse by verse. Why? Because that is profitable teaching. It's profitable. Because you may want me to preach on how to be a great parent or how to win friends and influence people or how to succeed at business. But the truth of it is, you may think that's profitable, but I don't know that God says it's profitable. God says that the word is profitable. You missed an amen right there. Let's try again. Rewind that one. Y'all wake up, man. Let's go. Come on. God's word is profitable. There you go. We want to teach you the word of God, not the words of man, not, not something that we think. It's not my ideas. It's not your Sunday school teacher's ideas. It's the word of God. Verse by verse, as we study it, God has this amazing ability to do something. I, I was thinking about this, how this trend kind of flew through America a while back. Uh, it was like, go to church and we're going to have church at the movies. And they were taking like Disney movies and trying to compare them to the scripture. I mean, that is really cool. I just don't know that it's profitable. We're not going to do that. If you're, waiting, if you're waiting for the Disney character study, I hate to disappoint, but we're not going to be doing that anytime soon. We're just going to study the word of God because I believe that God can speak to us better than I can speak to us. I believe that God can speak to us better than any, any kind of way we could be creative or clever or anything. I mean, let's just open the word and let the word of God speak. And let's not be bored with that. Remember what we said about getting out of debt? It's not glitzy. It's not glamorous. Just do it. Let the word of God speak to you because we need to understand what the word says. So we spend the majority of our time going verse by verse through the Bible because it's what we need to hear whether we want to hear it or not. Secondly, it says 
For the word of God is profitable for rebuking. That means it points out where you're going off course. So it teaches you something, but it, it also has an unbelievable ability to point out in our lives where we're stepping off course. And so maybe it's this idea of refuting error in our lives. You know, it's going to stand up to that and say, this isn't right. You're, you're out of my will right here. You need to get back in will with me because this is important. You, you remember that in Philippians, uh, there's chapter four, there are a couple of ladies in a church who, who are kind of not getting along. And Paul uses that moment as a rebuke to say, listen, the unity of the body is more important than these things you're doing. So I urge Yodia and Syntyche, get along with one another, right? Make sure that there's peace between you. That's important. It helps us to see the error of our ways and brings us back through the third thing, correcting. Not only just points out what's wrong, but it has a way to correct it. And sometimes you need a course correction. We saw that in the book of Ephesians as we saw people who were trying to go back and and live like Judaizers. They were, they were trying to, to have the law and uh, grace and mix it all together. And, and, and Paul's saying, you don't have to do that. We, we're able to approach the Lord now as one. There's no wall of distinction between us. Don't let that be part of your lives. And so it helps us with that. It com comes in other books as we see a deal against heresies and all kinds of cult practices. And those things are always trying to find their way into the church. Even today, you may not think they are, but heresy is always trying to find its way into the church. Well, how do we know? Well, we go back to the word and it corrects us with that. Finally, it says it will train you in righteousness. To be trained is something that we often don't really think about very much the older we get because we don't think about training for things. But if you're training for something, you do fundamentals over and over and over and over and over and over again. It's what you do. I never went to a basketball practice when I was in high school that we didn't start with dribbling drills, passing drills. Well, I mean, I've been playing basketball my whole life. I know how to dribble a ball. Why do we have to keep doing this? It's the same thing if you're in the military, you train the fundamentals all the time. Why? Because that's what's going to ultimately help you down the road. It's important for us. And, and so this word can also mean when it says that it trains us, that it disciplines us for righteousness. So it trains us to be righteous. So we do the things over and over again. Have you noticed that in scripture? It has thematic repetition. Why? Because you need it. I need it. We need it over and over again in our lives. I often think about that. I don't know how many times I've read through the book of Proverbs. And, you know, Proverbs is always talking about how a young man shouldn't lose his way. Why do we see that over and over again? Why do we need to keep going back to that? Why do we need to have those lessons taught to us again and again? It's because we can easily lose our way. I just got to tell you, if you ever show up to church and your mindset on whatever your life group teacher or your pastor's preaching that day is like, oh, I got that, you better watch out. God's trying to give you the fundamentals so that you can have it. So this incredible book does something amazing. It teaches us how to live, tells us when we're off course, tells us how to get back on course, and then how to stay the course. That's what the scripture does for us. Jesus called that finding the narrow way. He said the broad way leads to destruction, 
but the narrow way when you find it leads to life. And he said, not many people were going to find it. So be cautious when you hear people saying, over here's another way. Over here's a way that we can all get there. Over here's a way that you can be a Christian and believe whatever you want. Just, just come on with, be careful. Because I don't ever remember Jesus saying, hey, everybody's gonna make it. He didn't. He said, narrow is the way. Make sure you're on the narrow way. But I want you to see the payoff of reading the Bible, of submitting your lives to the Bible. Look at verse 17. So that the man of God, and we can insert there man or woman of God. It's, he's talking to Timothy, but he's saying to us that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. When God gave us the word in the scripture, it allows us to be completely equipped. Those two words paired together have a picture formed in my mind of a building being complete and on the inside, when it says equipped, think about it being furnished, okay? So just imagine this, you know, if, if you come to a building and we never complete the building, I mean, it kind of looks ragtag after a while, doesn't it? I mean, it, something doesn't add up. But it, it's oftentimes just as bad to go into the building and realize that it's not equipped. You know, it's like an office space that has no space for you to sit. Here's your office. Where's my desk? Eh, I didn't get that far. Hmm. Here's your office. Where's my computer? We don't have those. Do you have a calculator? No, we have a slide rule. You'll be fine. I mean, it's great. Right? I mean, you just think about it for a minute. I mean, that's not being fully equipped to do the job that you need to do. And so it's important for us to see this. If we're building a house or an office building, we want those two things to be said of that. We want it to be said of our lives as well. We want to be complete and we want to be fully furnished with everything that we need. So when we talk about our lives being like the building that God is building and the inside of our lives being the place that he is furnishing or equipping, think about how that happens. It's not going to happen from you just coming to church. It won't happen. I wish that it would. I love it when you come to church. It gets me excited. There's nothing more deflating than preaching to an empty room. Promise. But, but that's, not, that's just the starting point. I mean, you have to get in the word because the word is what's going to equip you. It's the word of God. So you need teachers, you need pastors, sure. But you need the word of God. There's something on the outside that he completes and there's something on the inside that he furnishes in our lives so that we're not lacking in either area. So we might think about it like this, that in terms of our lives, we want our righteousness to be shown and the good things that come from our lives on the outside to be there, but that the character that's formed inside of us that leads to those good works needs to be fully equipped, fully formed, fully furnished, and that only happens through the word. I don't think that you want to be lacking things, and I don't think that you want to be ill-equipped, but if I really sat back and thought about my life as a pastor over the last 20 plus years, the truth of it is a lot of us are lacking a lot. And it's not because we don't come to church, but it's because we have a fondness for the word of God, maybe even a holy reverence for it. But the truth of it is the word of God is not shaping our lives. Uh, there's an easy way to do that. Start tomorrow. Wake up, open your Bible, 
Start reading, ask God to speak to you, ask God to form things in your life, ask God to, to, to begin shaping the character and the mind of Christ in your life so that your spirit is filled with righteousness and the actions of your life are righteous and they meet the standard. And man, what starts to happen is that the Holy Spirit meets us there and changes us into people who have the character of the Savior. Complete fully equipped, ready for what the day has. I think some of us today might need to reaffirm the Lord's word in our lives. And you say, well, what would that be? Well, it's where you've read the scripture and said, no, thank you. I don't believe that. Years ago, I read one of the most fascinating books uh, of kind of the, the mid-2000s. It was called The Christian Atheist. And you say that, that it's impossible to be a Christian atheist. Atheist is obviously somebody who doesn't believe in the existence of God. And this pastor, it's a real easy read if you want to pick it up, but this pastor had written this book called The Christian Atheist. And he said, we live like Christian atheists when we profess God with our mouths, but then we refuse to live how he tells us to live. Is that you? Are you the kind of person who has a reverence for the word of God? But it has no power over your life because you're not living with the Lord's authority over your life from the scripture. Well, guys, that's a daily struggle for me. It's so hard to look at the scripture every day and really mean it when you say, Lord, mold me and make me today. It's a lot easier to read it passively or not read it at all and just be content to be ill-equipped and ill-formed. But we want the outworking of our lives to be like Christ. We want the thing that people see as we do our good works is not to see me, not to see you, but to see Christ. And that only happens through the scripture. Maybe today, I would ask us as a church to let the Holy Spirit speak to us to affirm the word of God and not just to look at it with a fondness, but to dive into it. Maybe today you're a person who's never given your life to Christ. It'll never happen because I can convince you to do it. It'll only happen because of God's wisdom through the scripture. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we want you to know the word of God. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. You can stop by the Next Steps desk. We'll give you one for free. We want you to have a Bible. We want you to read the Bible because we believe that when you do, you'll have an encounter with the living God that will change your life. I'm gonna ask you right now as a church, would you bow your heads and I wanna ask you to affirm a few things this morning. We're not gonna have an invitation where we ask you to stand up and come walk down here, but we are having a response time in our seats has there been any part of your life that maybe without meaning to kind of consciously but subconsciously even as I've been speaking that you've just said no thank you to the word of God? Has there been part of your life where, where you've read that and just said, well, I don't know if I believe that. Or that's for times in the past. All scripture is God-breathed, profitable for teaching, 
rebuking, correction and training in righteousness. Would you just go before the Lord right now and declare his word is good. Thank him for his word. Ask him to use his word in your life. Has it been a while since you've opened the word? Why don't you just go home this afternoon and take a few moments to get reacquainted with your Bible. Take a few moments to let the word of God speak. Maybe today you're ready to give your life to Christ. We're not having a kind of a normal response time, but have you been waiting to give your life to Christ? Why wait anymore? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. Trust him. Repent of your sins today and make Jesus the Lord of your life. Surrender your life to him and be saved. Father, this week we ask the word of God to speak over our lives. We ask you to be uh, training us, Lord, in righteousness. We ask you to make us complete and fully equipped for every good work that you're going to have for us. And Father, I pray for our church that we we would be people of the book, that we would be people who understand, Lord, that you have given us your word, divinely inspired, God-breathed. God, that you would form us into the likeness of Christ, that you would help us as we fight our own flesh who wants to war against the spirit. Lord, we feel it. God, we love your word this morning. We love that you speak to us. God, I pray this fall as we get ready for all the good things that you're going to be doing in our mission conferences, our parenting conference, Lord, our holiday seasons, would you just work in our lives through the word? Father, use it to give us the answer that we need to give people for the hope that's inside of us. When people ask, Lord, maybe some of us today are searching and seeking because we've never surrendered to you. Our prayer, Lord, is that you would move in our midst for salvation. God, we ask your word to speak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.